Last week we talked about the thoughts of God. He knows our, we want his thoughts. I'm going to back up two scriptures before that and share Isaiah 55, 6 through 7. It says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call you upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord. And he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray for your anointing, God. It's your holy anointing and unction that gives us the ability. Like we heard today in the song, we boast only in the cross. Everything we counted gain, God, everything in this world has, we counted as loss just to know you, Jesus. Help us today. We need you, Lord. Oh, we praise you. Amen. So, I want to talk to you today about seeking the Lord. And normally when you hear that, a lot of people kind of turn you off because they're like, oh, seeking God. No, it's time for us as a church to seek the Lord. I want to tell you something about that scripture that I find interesting. It says, while he may be found, call on him while he is near. And this week, I felt like God, in my own personal time, was telling me, this is time. He's coming close to us. He's adding wonderful new families. He's moving in our midst. And he's given us a special grace to seek him now. Listen, you cannot, so many people in the Bible and so many people since the cross have said they had time, they were going to get right then, they were going to seek God at a more convenient time, at a later time. That's not how it works. He is telling us, he was telling me, this is so sincere to me, it is time to really seek God. It's time to really go after God. It's time to really, really, really call on God. Most people in this church, I don't have to preach. You know how to seek God. I'll tell you when you seek God, when everything's going wrong. You got no trouble understanding what seeking God means when everything's going wrong. When everything's falling apart. When you lose your job, boy, you know how to seek God then, don't we? When it's not working out, people are like, well, I don't even understand how to seek God. Oh, you know how to seek God. You know how to call on God. We all know how to. In our trouble, we, and listen, I'm so thankful that Psalms 34, he says the righteous cry to him and he delivers them from every trial and tribulation. That is a faithful God that we serve. But man, can we serve him more for just when we're in trouble? Can we really every day of our life? That's the challenge today. I'm serious. What did you seek this week? What did you seek? What did you desire? The word seek really means to be drawn together. There's a togetherness. What did you desire this week? What were you seeking after this week? There's a charge from God himself. It's time to seek him. How do you seek him? It's easy. Scriptures, praying. Let me tell you something else. We will never have a Pentecostal church if we don't have Pentecostal worshipers outside the church. If you don't get the Spirit of God and the power of God in your life on a daily basis, it's not just going to magically translate because you walk in the door of a so-called Pentecostal church. you got to be a Pentecostal to have a Pentecostal church. 
You got to understand that there's a, the Father seeks those to, that would worship Him in spirit and in truth. The Holy Spirit is a caveat to help us worship God. It's more, Barry said that song was on repeat. Listen, I've, I've listened to that song for three months now, and I love that song. But man, if our spirits are not united and we're not getting the message of it, you might as well just have a performance. Part of seeking God is every day like Job did, just making sacrifices to him and thanking him for your family and your friends and your church and just beginning to make it a daily lifestyle of worship. Amen. See what I told you about us being Presbyterian? I've preached this like this in some Pentecostal churches. I've had to shush them. Sit down. Let me preach. Listen, it's time. If not now, when? That's my question. That's what in my personal devotion, the Lord asked me, it's time, Jonathan. It's time. I am close to this church. I am close to this people, and I love them. I want them to want me again. Amen? I just want to look at a few stories in the Old and New Testament. I've had to cough drop my voice and do everything else, so you just have to bear with me. James 4, 8, look at it. It says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And everybody's like, yeah, perfect. No, it doesn't stop there. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Wait a minute. And purify your hearts, you double-minded. Well, now listen. This is New Testament. That, that kind of seems kind of harsh. He called us sinners and basically hypocrites. I think we are sometimes. I think when we're not drawing near to God, I think we say one thing, we're double-minded. God heals. God can deliver. God can feel. He's all I need. How many people say that? And then you look at your lifestyle, and James is like, you are double-minded. All you look like you live for is this world and the things of this world, and all you get pleasure from is this world. And don't tell me he's all you need, and every, you don't want him except when you need him. Amen. Amen. It's, it's time to draw near to him. And he even says in Isaiah and here, seek the Lord and don't worry about your past failures. If you'll come close to him, he'll take care of them. There's not condemnation in this house today, but there, you have to be convicted. There has to be something that clicks in your heart that says, I'm really not going after God. I'm really a hypocrite. I say that he's everything and I say he's my all in all and I say all this stuff, but my actions and what I say are so apart. And James would write to us and say, Evangel, start back going after God again and ask for forgiveness because you're hypocrites. I'm so glad James is not alive and well today. I only read the book of James when the Holy Spirit's like, go to James. I'll be like, God, I like First John. God is love. Let's live in there. Because James is like, you know what? 
How can you say you have any wisdom and you can't even control your tongue? You're wise, but you can't control your tongue? So it's like you're a fool because you fooled yourself. Yeah, that's the kind of message in James. I like to kind of steer clear of those until I can get First John. It's time, church. It's time to seek the Lord. It's time to draw near to him. I honestly believe that one of the problems in our brains is that we have it backwards. And James had to fix it. We have been told that all you need to do is come to church and God will come after you. We hear the, you know, prodigal son story. It's a beautiful story. God ran after the prodigal son, right? I think we missed the part where the prodigal son was coming home. It looks like to me he was drawing near and then the father drew near. I think that we've been told we can sit on a pew and that we can just be here and being here is enough to encounter God. It's a lie. I'm telling you, it is a straight lie from hell that we will drink that Kool-Aid if we're not careful. We will believe it hook, line, and sinker. Listen, churches all over America are closing down their services. They're making it as easy for you as you can. Just come to one service for one hour. We'll give you a 6 a.m. service so you can be there from 6 to 7 a.m. and be like, well, I'm done for the day. That is not seeking God. It's more than just sitting. It's more than just being here. It's having a heart that says, I want to really know you. I want to see. There is not a single time in the Old Testament where he says, seek the Lord, that it doesn't mean when it says the Lord there, it means the presence which translates into face. Seek his face. Don't know just about him. I thought about when I read that. I always knew when dad had left the house. My dad had left the house when I was growing up there because his presence was all around the house, called Cologne. <laughs> I could follow him from room to room. I knew where his presence had been. He had been. And I think, but see, when I see him face to face, intimacy is not birthed off of that fragrance where he had been. I can only know him when I see him, when we talk to each other. Amen? I think some of us get caught up in the chills and the thrills of church. And that's the overflow of the waterfall. You're just getting the splash off of it. He wants us to get in with him. He wants us to dig deep in him. Brother Dave, he wants you to know it backwards and forwards. Brother Dave walked in today and said, you know what Jesus is? He's a chain breaker. And I thought, man, we're about to have church in here right here at the front. That's what it's all about. In him we live, in him we move, in him we, I'm telling you, when's the last time serious business that you looked at God and said, I really want to know you. I don't want your hand. Thank you for your hand, God, because there's so many scriptures. I need the hand of God to move in my everyday life and so do you. But I want to see you like Moses saw you. I want to, you're the only, there's so many of us that we could throw our prayer list away if we could see the face of God, if we could get his presence back in our life. Help me with this sin, help me with this sin, help me, help me, help me, help me. Just get him and it helps. He is the help. His presence is the help. He reminds us, why do you think it says seek the things that are above, 
not the things that are below. Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what? All these things will be added. You know why God's not adding things to you? Because you're seeking your own things. Why does he need that? If you're going to take care of yourself, he's not going to take care of you. If you'll take care of his stuff and you'll take care of his kingdom and you'll seek for his ways, you'll find out the more you seek after him, the more he takes care of every need you have. And I promise I learned something about God. He'll give you more than just what you need. He'll give you what you want sometimes because he's a good father. But you can't go around protecting yourself and I'm going to do this for myself. Listen, you got to be about him. you got to be about his kingdom. When you walk into the doors of the church, you got to have a kingdom mindset that says, I not only want God, I want his kingship. I want his kingdom down on this earth. If you read Matthew, it always talks about the kingship of Jesus because he's talking to the Jews. The book was written to the Jews and it's always about the kingdom of God alive. The Lord's prayer right there in the middle of Matthew, your kingdom come, your will be done here, not up there, but here. The power and the presence of God here alive and well. Amen. Amen. This is all rhetoric if we don't take it home. One of the most frustrating things about preaching is to know that God comes close. And if we're not careful, the seed, the devil will eat it. Or the world will take it. Or our schedules will eat it. And we will hear with joy and still be going backwards. It's deceptive. That's where America is. We want to hear a great put together sermon. Little sermonette. Makes us feel good. I am called. I am chosen. Bless the Lord all the time. It's all rhetoric. They're talking about a God they don't even know. Because the real God wants you. Like he doesn't want just you to visit. He wants you. He didn't pay the price. Listen, it's so hard. I'm thinking about Easter, and I, you might think I'm crazy. I dread Easter because so many people are going to hear the wonderful, most amazing story that's more than a story about the crucifixion of God who loved us, and they won't be moved because I've been there, and I've done that, and I got the T-shirt. It doesn't move the believer anymore. Man. How, uh, that song, how is it that you would suffer so I could get life? Don't you think we're double-minded that we don't tell God on a daily basis? I want to see you. I want your presence again. I could get up here and try to motivate you to meet new people and witness and all that. And all you need is 10 minutes with God and he'll set you on fire. Amen. Look at 2 Chronicles 12, 12 through 16. I want to show you a story that just jumped off the page in my quiet time. That just It says, this is talking about King Rehoboam, and I'll go into who he is in a second. Now look at this. When he humbled himself, the anger of the Lord turned away from him so that there was not a complete annihilation. Moreover, there were some good things in Judah during this time. Some good things. So King Rehoboam was strong. 
get this, he was strong. And he reigned in Jerusalem, for Rehoboam was 41 years old when he became king and reigned for 17 years in Jerusalem, the city that the Lord had chosen out of all the tribes of Israel to put his name there. Now look, this is so random. And by the way, his mother's name was Namah the Ammonite. Who cares? That's what you want to say. You're like, who cares about who his mother is? Because the lineage fell through the father of the Hebrews. We don't care about some Ammonite. And, and so when I read that, I was like, God, you don't just put something right in the middle of your scriptures. You don't just put something there. You want us to get something. So I began to dig into who she was. And her name means the pleasant place, the easy place. So he was strong within himself, and he loved to live around the easy place. Uh-oh. Now, verse 14. And he acted evil. because Why? Did he burn incense to false gods like other prophets? No. Did he have the high places of Baal? No. Because he did not set his heart to seek the Lord. Whose responsibility today is it? You know why we don't want to make sure everything in our life is prepared to seek God? Because look, the first set of scriptures, Rehoboam humbled himself because the Egyptian army was all around him and he was in trouble and he humbled himself and God delivered him. Well, once God delivered him, sounds like us. We got saved from the bondage of Egypt and we got free and now we're free and thank you God we got saved and now we're strong in ourselves. and then we really have all the money. You can put that down. We've got all the money we need. We've got all the things we need. We're strong and we're in a pleasant place and there's no desire in us to seek God. Now listen, I know daylight savings and some of you got up like me. Instead of six, you got up at five. And you're like, my eyes, I'm like, I need coffee injections right now. (laughs) Come on, stay with me. I'm serious. Preachers can feel when your mind's everywhere, but right here, get here with me. He was so pleasant. Look at our lives. Even the worst of us that has the worst trouble going on right now, compared to most people in the world, is smooth sailing. And we're in a pleasant place around pleasant things. And we didn't commit big sins. But God says it's evil when you don't prepare to seek Him. Listen to me. If you think it's just going to happen... That you're just going to, oh, the Holy Spirit's going to overtake you. There's that draw near to me first part. And all of a sudden, I'm gonna, my Bible's just going to open up every day. And prayer's just going to happen so easy. You have to prepare yourself. That means you've got to get things out of your heart by the help of the Holy Spirit to get ready to seek Him. That means you've got to establish, this is the time I will read my Bible. This is the time I will meet with God. Corey Tim Boone, the way to pray is easy. You make a date with God and you keep it. You make a time with him and you keep it. She knew the secret. You don't have to wait for the Holy Spirit to fill your car and you're like, oh, I must need to go pray. That happens sometimes. But most of the time, prayer is just wanting to be close. There's something down in you that just says, I want to touch God again. I got to get more. And listen, if you're in here and you think you've seen it all or felt it all or experienced it all, you don't even have a clue how many levels of God there are left for you. You'll get past wanting to get touched by Him. When you really get close to God, it's all about everybody else. You must decrease and He must increase. 
I feel God in this place. That's the real power of seeking God. We quit being selfish and nasty and all about ourselves and we get all about the Father's business and that's the level of God He wants to bless us at. It's better to give than to receive. Such as I have, Peter said, I give you something. You know what the church gives them now? 50 bucks, 20 bucks. Because we ain't got nothing else to give them. Where were they going? They were going to prayer at the hour of prayer. They had a set time. Read Acts. Now all of us, let's just all throw ourselves right there together. Some layman comes to us and we're going to prayer. We're going to be like, well, I'm going to have to go have, uh, can we get the praise team up and can we get the spirit moving? And the... They, were, they were so full because they were seeking God always. Do you realize that Jesus himself said that everybody in this room is more blessed than any of those apostles because we've never seen him and we believe? There's a blessing on our lives. There's a power that comes with it. Amen? Rehoboam was so comfortable. The danger of a good church. You can sit on this pew and enjoy. I'm serious. The Holy Spirit moves. You might not even understand about the river. There's a river of God that brings healing and restoration. And God is flowing through this place. And you can sit on that pew and you can get that cool water from off that river and think everything is fine and never even desire God. You desire his blessing. That's why the old hymns, I'm so glad we still do them. I have a friend that goes to a church. He came to visit with me and he said, we did a hymn and he said, man, I wish my church would just give us just at least one because those people used to walk with him. And guess what? They talked with him. There's a whole generation of people now that don't even realize God will talk to you. I don't know if I could make it if he didn't talk to me. You say, you hear his voice? Not very often. But I hear his word loud and clear. And it burns me. And he speaks to me. He corrects me. Amen. Amen. This is my correction. This is what it looks like. I'm sharing with you my week this week. God, I want to know you. Well, okay. If you really do, you've got to start seeking me harder than you are now. i got stuff for you, but you've got to come after me. Amen. Give you one more scripture, and I want to tell you a cool story that I came across. Hopefully it will bless you. I lied. I got two more scriptures. Matthew 15, 8. I didn't say this, but Brittany, it's so good to have you back. This was one of those oh me scriptures that is so good, though. Every time God corrects you, don't run from him. He's not mad. He actually loves you. You know what's wrong with these kids while they're shooting everybody? Because parents just give them whatever they want whenever they want. There is no correction because there is no real love. There's only selfishness. That's what's wrong. We can ban. It's funny to me how we always talk about banning guns, and every city that they've banned guns in has the highest murder rates. That's the genius of the liberals. It just doesn't work. I have no idea why I said that, but it's still true. These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips. I just thought about this morning across America. By the way, don't ever read the Bible and Americanize it. Because he said upon this rock, 
I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You just read that like, oh, the American church. No, 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 it might not be that way. If you look at the posture of the American church, it's a joke. You look around the world, the church is alive and well. Matter of fact, China and several countries in Africa, when we sent missionaries there, they said, get back on the plane and go home. We do not want that Americanized, watered-down grace. I'm serious. I'm telling you stories, true stories. But I thought about today. Forget everybody else in this house. How many of us drew near to God and we looked like we were really worshiping and we were close, but he looks at us and says, your mouth says one thing, but I see your heart. You're already thinking about what you're going to do when you get out of here. Your heart is so far from me, but man, you look the part, baby. You got it going on. Lord, we love you. Lord, we praise you. If you love me, you'll do my commandments. If you really love me. These scriptures are hard. <laughs> but they can be lived. They can, that's what the power of the Holy Spirit is really all about. Listen, I'm all about tongues. And I'm all about all, everything the Holy Spirit has. But the Holy Spirit is an endowment of power for service. Service for who? The one you're in love with. And, and when you preach like this, sometimes you're like, God, I don't want this to be so hard. But he said it. It's in red. He said, you come close. Think about what the Jews were doing. They were doing all this. If anybody in an American church had to do the preparation it took to come to a Jewish service, we'd have about five people in America. If you had to get all the cattle ready and everything lined up, we can't even get people to Sunday school. And it's two hours later than their work. And you gotta get your you gotta get your cows right and your everything right. And so they do all that work thinking it means something to God. And they're slaughtering the red heifer and they're sprinkling the plate and they're burning incense. And boy, they look so good. But then somebody steps on the scene who is God. And says, man, y'all look like you love me. But you don't. Because I can see what you love. I see your heart. Amen? You know what we should do when that pricks us? There's no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus. We should go to him. I did it this week. Lord, don't let anything get in me. Or I have a form of godliness, but I deny you and your power. Don't let me draw close with scriptures and repetition and rhetoric. Let my heart really beat with your heart. Forgive me, God, for what I've made this thing. I don't know how Papa sits up there. I'll just be honest with you. I need to be sanctified and everything else to sit up there. Because I start looking out. And you start thinking about all the people that always want to be in positions and always want to do stuff, but they can't even come regular. And you're like, listen, nobody has to pump you up to come see the God you're in love with. Period. And if you're only here because, well, this ain't my praise team's week, so I don't really have to be there, I don't want you. I'll be honest. 
Now, I want you, if you come to the altar and repent. Yeah, it got weird right there, didn't it? We just got home. You should trust standing up there trying to worship God and thinking, my gosh, don't tell me you love me. Don't tell me you're after him. And you have to prime yourself every Sunday? No, I'll tell you what you love. You love you. Deal with that. Get it in your heart. Yes, I love myself, God. You've got to empty me of me. You can't stay out all night, Friday and Saturday night, and then try to get up on Sunday. You're giving God your garbage leftovers. I used to do it. I was about 20, 22, around here I'd come in. I'd be out with the guys till 2 and 3 in the morning, come in, trying to worship. I didn't even feel God. Until God and me had a little talk. Brain dead people can't feel God. People that hadn't slept but four hours don't feel God. They feel tired because that's a natural law. Amen. I don't know why the presence of God's not moving. He's all over. He's blowing up. Your physical body can't take it because you would rather socialize than be ready for God. Amen. Oh, me. I remember when I had that little come to the Lord meeting. You can ask Bethany. I'm jealous over my schedule Saturday night. I want to walk here with all I got. When people ask us, let's go out. What time we meet? In seven? Nope. Puts me in bed too late. I'll meet you at five. Because this is a sacred moment. I'll lose my walk if I don't encounter God. More than that, if I stand before you with some watered down little PowerPoint slide of fill in the blanks, that's not going to change anybody. Wow. I sit on Facebook, people take a picture of their little PowerPoint slide. I want to throw, like, for real, like, I'm not at UAB. I don't need a PowerPoint to learn something by. I don't need a study guide. I need the power of God to move in your heart. And when you leave here, I don't even care how you respond today. But I know if the Holy Spirit shows up tomorrow, he's going to whisper to your ear when you grab that phone to start flipping through Facebook. He's going to say, are you going to seek me today? Nothing wrong with Facebook. Nothing wrong with that. But there's something wrong when our heart is more drawn to everything but him. Now, I want to tell you something, and I'm going to give you something that I wrestled with God all day about. I want to give you a word of warning. You hear what I'm about to tell you. God has a way to get you to seek him. He's dealt with me all morning about saying this, and I don't even know who it's for. You know, New Zealand, 48% of their birds are called flightless birds. Stay with me. 48%. They're big old fat birds with little bitty wings. Annoying. That's what the church is filled with a lot of times. Fat birds just sitting there eating all the scriptures up and ain't doing nothing with it. Little bitty wings. They chirp and yelp and amen and all this stuff. How are you? I'm blessed and highly favored. Don't ever tell me that. Just live that. If you're blessed and highly favored, you won't have to tell anybody. Amen. They chirp and big old fat birds. 48%. And I'm reading that. I'm like, 
that's weird. Like, if you go Google the birds, they are some weird birds. Kind of like a lot of churches, got a lot of weird birds in them. And I was like, what in the world? And I realized there's not a single predator on New Zealand. There's no snakes. There's none of those, anything like foxes. There's nothing that would eat them. And therefore, they don't have wings that have developed to fly above the trouble. Listen to me. As I was hearing that today, God really, as I've been, I was talking to Bethany about it. I was like, this is going to make a sermon. I just don't know what sermon it's going to make about our adversity gives us wings to fly. Don't be mad. But I've got a different little approach today that God's telling me. Some of you have sat there long enough with your no wings and your comfort, your mother's the land of comfort like Rehoboam. If you're not careful, God says, I'm not going to let you go, but I'm going to try you in the furnace of affliction. Your wings will grow. You say, where does that? That's in the scriptures. He came to Israel and said, I should throw you out. As bad as you've been to me, I should throw you out. But I'm not going to throw you out because I'm not a man. I'm God. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to get you back praying. And I'm going to get you back seeking me. And I'm going to do it with the furnace of affliction. I call it the easy way or the hard way. You listen to me today. I've tried to keep this as positive because the scriptures are good and they're positive. But I'm telling you, God, I kept telling God, I'm not going to bring up that part. I'm not going to talk about the birds. Some of you should see yourself in the mirror spiritual. You're a New Zealand flightless bird. You're big and fat, full of the gospel, full of good worship, full of good fellowship. And you don't even know how to fly. You don't even know how to soar into the presence of God. You don't know how to get. So God says, you can repent today and you can help me get you to see. Listen, the fear of the Lord is not a fear that it's a reverence of God. It's the word fear, actually, and the word seek in the Hebrew are the same root word. Because if you really fear him and reverence him, you're going to seek him. But God said, I'm not going to let you go. I'm going to give you wings. Because when adversity comes, you'll know how to seek me then. I'm telling you all, you all have heard me preach a lot of times. I don't ever try to very seldom feel like God's given a warning to a body of people. It's time to get your wings strong again. It's time to start praying again. Well, I don't know how to pray. Well, you know how to pick up the cell phone and talk to people. It's the same principle. You tell him about your day because he loves to hear about it. That's why he wrote so many scriptures. Tell him I know the numbers of hairs on their head. Tell them, I I know my thoughts towards them. They're more than the sands of the sea. I care. I want to hear. And then he'll talk back. I, I tell the students all the time, they've probably heard it a million times, if you've never heard the Lord tell you he loves you, you are being robbed of your blessing. Well, I've got a scripture. No, 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 no. That's good. If you've never heard your father speak to your heart and say, I love you, man, you're being robbed. The devil is robbing you. There's something about, you know what happens when I tell them that? They begin to get hungry and seek God. God, I want to hear your voice. 
God, I want to hear you tell me you love me. I want you to know. Why do you think the song I am for you was so popular? I know you're for me. I know you're not against me. It's because God's people by nature are like Adam. We all know that daily we mess up and we want to run and hide from big bad God. But that is not the case under the New Testament. He wants us to draw near to him today. And he's, James just said all you got to do is stop being a hypocrite. Just ask him to forgive you for saying that you believe in him, but don't want to experience him. Stop calling all your friends and start telling God your trouble. Cast your cares on him. For why? He cares for you. We all know that. But boy, we cast our cares on everybody but him. I want to read one last scripture. If the band will come up. Let me tell you something. I live by one rule. Sheep are not made to be sheared but once a year. And the person that shears sheep should be the pastor. So I don't ever want you to think I'm coming at you and trying to get some kind of evil or smack the sheep. We need each other. We need you. We need everybody healthy and whole. If somebody needs to shear the sheep, that's the pastor. He can preach hard. And we'll listen to him. But I, I, don't wanna, I don't want you to feel like I've sheared you today because my friend Red said something Wednesday night when he was preaching. I don't know why. I've never thought about it. You've probably heard it. He said, notice how there's no pack sheep. <laughs> oh, yeah. You got a pack mule. And when he said that, I thought, well, that's a good point. I've never heard of that. That's because sheep are not designed to carry the load. How beautiful is that when Jesus is talking to a bunch of shepherds that understand and he says, you, I, you know, you're the sheep, you're my sheep. I cast your cares on me for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm not going to put pressure on you. Today when you hear a message about seeking God, he's not making you, you better seek me. You better, I'm going to put you in the furnace of affliction. That's his last resort. I got grounded as a sophomore in college. Think about that. These kids nowadays, they'd be in rebellion, they'd be tweeting, you'd be missing teen because they've gone to Florida or somewhere. You live in my house, you show up again at 3 a.m. in the morning when I gotta work. I'm gonna do more than ground you. You know why he said that? Because he knew something that his daddy told him. Nothing good happens after midnight. Amen. What knowledge. What good knowledge. But he punished me because he loved me. That grounding didn't change our relationship. Now, when I was younger, a little feisty about it. How do you ground a sophomore in college? I'm old enough to fight for my country. He had a lot to deal with. And the older I get, I think about how much he loved me. He could have just let me do what I wanted to do. But he knew I could be wrapped around a pole at 3 a.m. Because he didn't do anything. God is the same way. He does not want to punish you today. 
He didn't watch his son get brutally murdered so he could put you in a furnace of affliction. Because the truth is, if he just did that every time, all of us would be in a furnace of affliction constantly. He don't want the sheep to be packed sheep. He don't want you to carry a load. I feel him today in such a reviving way. The call is going out to the people. Seek me. I'm close. Some of you have secret fears and things that nobody knows about. And he's saying, all you got to do is just throw them on me. If you'll just tell me you can't do it, I'll do it. If you'll just stop seeking your own life and your own kingdom and start seeking my kingdom, I will take care of everything you can exceedingly, abundantly above what you can ask or even think. By how? The power that works inside you. There's power in us. I want to read this and then they're going to sing. Paul says, not that I have attained or have already been perfect, but I follow after so that I may lay hold of that which I was seized by Christ. Brothers, I do not count myself to have attained, but this one thing I do, from today forward, church, we are going to forget the things that are behind us, and we're going to press forward to the prize of the goal of the high calling of God in Jesus Christ. We all stop there, and then he says, let those that are mature get ready. Be like-minded. If you're mature in the Lord, you should grab this. There should be something not to say, well, I've experienced God for 20 years. There should be something in you say if you're mature in the Lord. I acknowledge that. I haven't even been doing half of what I should be doing, Lord. I'm coming after you again. There's a prize to be won. I'm going to run again. Lord, forgive me for being a fat bird with no wings. You seen them penguins? You think the devil's scared of that? He's calling us to soar like eagles. You know, you might see an eagle. I'm telling you, you'd be on Smith Lake seeing an eagle. You're thinking, I think that thing can pick me up. Thing, it ain't no little bird. It's not a chickadee or whatever those things are. It's a powerful animal. That's wingspan. Those things are big and powerful. That's what he's called us to be. Let's seek him. I sat down in my recliner last night, wanted to watch TV, and I just felt like, man, I can watch this stupid TV until everybody around me goes to hell. But more than just goes to hell, everybody around me needs the victory. We got to seek him again. I lost friends when I first got saved because I wouldn't even know why they quit hanging out with me not hear from other people all he talks about now is Jesus everywhere he goes he talks to me about my soul and Jesus and I thought man what happened to me I didn't have to pray to him come down I led so I, I was telling my parents God reminded me I led a guy to the Lord in the middle of my work when I first got saved I grabbed him from across the counter why because the Holy Spirit was so with me because I was living in him and Jesus grabbed him we have to pray, God, give me boldness. If you walk with Jesus, you don't even need boldness. People will start tearing up around you because they feel the power of God. That they're. Long. I just grabbed him and started praying. I didn't have to witness. I didn't lead him through the Roman road. I had Jesus there. You ain't going to have Jesus there if you just visit him. 
I'm just telling you. He wants to be a part. Everybody stand.